How many former bell ringers do we have in here? <laughs> Stand up, you former bell ringers. And Maddie, yeah, and Zach. Yeah, yeah, look at these people all grown up, you know. So I tell you. Yeah, yeah, all right, thank you very much. <laughs> so they're not only grown up, they're real dinglings, <laughs> something, something like that. So anyhow, we're grateful for that. Amen. The children can be dismissed. They're going downstairs. No. Oh, you're staying here. Oh, staying here for church. Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Well, this morning we are looking at uh, from death to life, and uh, it's, it's, it's a major topic <laughs> because we're all going to... Anybody here dead yet? Nobody? Did you raise your hand? Yeah, there's gone. That's, that's all over, you know. We're not dead. We're alive in Jesus Christ. And even, you see, the difference is we've already begun to live eternally. We've already begun to live eternally. Meaning that when Christ has saved us, Christ is the living spirit. In, in Adam, we all die, meaning die physically. But in Christ all are made alive. And being made alive is that the Spirit of Christ that raised Christ from the dead, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, when we accept Christ into our heart, we then have the hope of eternal life. It isn't because, you know, all people live forever. It isn't because uh, that grace and mercy are so that everybody gets saved and gets into heaven. It's not true. I wish that were how it is, but our wishes don't change the fact that we need a Savior. And one of the things we discussed in uh, Sunday school this morning was that uh, I, was, I was thinking about, I think sometimes, <laughs> sometimes not so good, but um, I was thinking about how that when Jesus, after the crucifixion and they placed him in the tomb, how that the uh, the religious leaders at the time and the Pharisees and the Romans, why is it that they were so intent on locking the, the grave? Why is it that they set soldiers and, and uh, the religious leaders set their soldiers, their military people to the tomb to make sure? Well, one of the things that might, and we were discussing this, that um, one of the things that may have happened was in in, our, in, the, in the Jewish tradition, in the Jewish faith, you go back to Passover, which is whenever children of Egypt, when the people of Israel were in Egypt in slavery, the last plague was the death of the firstborn. And so God had instituted that a, blam, a, lamb, a, lamb, a lamb, I'm sorry, this, this is getting to me. <laughs> the lamb was sacrificed and the blood of the lamb was put on the doorpost of the homes. And that was called Passover. The angel of death would pass over. And so every, and, and, and some years later, they started this, the, the Hebrew festival of Passover, which was the celebration, what happened when the angel of death would pass over um, the, the children of Israel, and they were released from Egypt and set out to the promised land. Well, all during those centuries after that and before the time of Christ, that they would celebrate Passover, and the priests would offer the sacrifice, and they would take the blood of the lamb into the holies of holies, the place where the mercy seat, where God, where God would have dwelt for the nation of Israel, and they would take the blood in there every year for Passover. 
while Jesus was crucified at the time of Passover, and he would have died on the cross at the time of the sacrifice in which the, the priests would have taken the blood of the lamb into the holies of holies. But when Jesus died, the Bible says that the temple, the, the veil that separated this holy, holy place from the rest of the temple was torn in two. So there was an earthquake, there was a tearing of this veil, and the veil was not just like a piece of cloth. This thing was about a foot thick. It was a, we a woven cloth to the point that, uh, and, and they have it all diagrammed, as it were, in the Old Testament, how many threads of what different things were used in order. But it would be virtually impossible to uh, tear this thing apart. But when Jesus died on the cross, this veil was torn in two. So the priest would have been there taking the blood of the lamb into this holy place. And when they were taking it in there, the earthquake came and the, the veil was torn apart. And these people were confronted with the idea that they had made a mistake. That they had actually taken the Son of God, God's sacrifice, God's lamb, that, he was, that Jesus was sent to them, and they had to either say he is God and he is the Lamb of God or keep up with their lies <laughs> and keep up with their misconceptions. They had, to, they had to keep the truth from being known. So if Jesus died on the cross for, this, uh, for the Jewish uh, in Passover and Jesus became the Lamb of God, these priests have to admit that they made a mistake. And they were not willing to do that. So what they did was they placed guards at the tomb to make sure nobody stole his body. Well, we find that, um, <laughs> that <laughs> Jesus and uh, his resurrection was not going to be, be held captive by people's lies and people's thoughts. So it was that when Jesus rose from the dead, the earthquake came, the stone was rolled away, and the angel was there and declared the message that he is not here, he is risen. Why seek ye the living among the dead? So here is this, this story that's going on about the resurrection and, and how that the disciples and followers of Jesus have, have come to realize because Jesus appeared to them. Well, the scripture that I'm using today is in 1 Corinthians 15, it's Primarily, it's verse 4. And, and Paul is saying, now, now here we have Paul, who is uh, Saul of Tarsus. And Saul of Tarsus was this guy who, who didn't believe in Jesus. He was this guy who felt that it was his sole mission to exterminate anybody who believed in Jesus. He was going to put an end to this sect of believers who called themselves, or would be later called, Christians. And so Paul was the leader of the persecution. He was the guy who went full force into the homes and the communities, and he would rip, out, rip believers from their homes and throw them in prison. He, even, he would even uh, 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 consent to their executions. So Paul, this Saul of Tarsus, was not a follower of Jesus. He was not impressed with the claims that he was the Messiah, and he was not impressed with the idea that somebody rose from the dead. This was just pure nonsense to this Saul of Tarsus. And you know, there are people like that today that they believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is just pure nonsense. They believe that Christianity 
doesn't have a foot to stand on. Well, the truth of the matter is Saul of Tarsus felt the same way. In fact, Saul is the guy who stood by and watched Stephen, the first martyr, killed. So Saul was, he was, he was one of these guys who said, we've got to exterminate these group of people. We've got to exterminate anybody who, who confesses Jesus Christ. Well, Saul gets a letter from the high priest and says, let me go to Tarsus. Let me go, not only are we trying to destroy the church here in Jerusalem, but we're going to destroy that, those believers anywhere they go. So Paul got himself a letter that he was, Saul of Tarsus got himself a letter that said he had the right to go into these foreign communities and, and round up all the Jewish people who believed in Jesus. So Saul of Tarsus heads out to do this. Well, along the road, Saul runs into Jesus. <laughs> now, sometimes we think, of, well, you know, um, it, you know, these are just stories, campfire stories made up. Well, the, the, <clears throat> the incidents of Jerusalem, the, uh, the, the, the crucifixion of Christ, the Paul and these guys. These are all write, written about from Jewish historian, especially Josephus. He wrote about a number of things going on that can be referring to, uh, referring to these things that happened here in the scriptures. We have a more in-depth um, understanding because we read the scriptures and we believe them and we see the, the proof in what the scriptures are saying. And when Paul is um, Saul of Tarsus, whenever he encounters Jesus, his life changes. Now, this is the point where I think uh, for ourselves. Have we encountered the life, the living Christ? Have we encountered the living Jesus? The purpose of Christ's coming was not to seal our fate. The purpose of Christ's coming is to liberate us from our fate. <laughs> that the, the liberation that we find in Jesus is that we would find forgiveness for our failures and our sins that we would find forgiveness for the things that have caused us to separate ourselves from God and also separate us from life. Our fears of life and our fears of living, you know, we've made mistakes, we failed this way, we failed that way. Christ has come to liberate us from our failures and give us a place in this life here and now. You know, we, everybody, has a, everybody has a story. Every life has a story. Some, some are made up. <laughs> Some are, you know, embellished, some are factual, and some are minimal. But everybody has a story. And the idea is, no matter what our story, Christ has come to meet us on our road, where we live. And that Christ has come to save us from the fate of our failures. Christ has come to save us from the fate of our failures. He didn't come to seal our fate to separation. He came to liberate us from our fate that we would have a future. Now, we look at the disciples, and I was, I was thinking of how that, um, uh, well, we'll read what Paul says here. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So when we look at this, here is Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. Now, Paul believed 
that Jesus just came along and messed up the whole religion of Judaism, and he, and he had no room for Christians. No, no room. He was going to destroy them. He was going to wipe them off the face of the planet until he met Jesus. After he met Jesus, here we have his letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth. Now, this is sometime later. And he says he was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the scripture. So here's Paul, this authority on Jewish uh, teachings. He is a, a Pharisee of the Pharisee, meaning he's the elite of the elite. He was the most educated and, and highly intelligent person, as it were, at that time. His future in the Sanhedrin and his future in the Supreme Court of Judaism was he could be the, he could be the top. So at verse 1, he says, as we celebrate the resurrection, oh, excuse me, as, and we look at this in ourselves, as we celebrate the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is me now, not Paul. Okay. As, we, as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I think about when Christ was crucified. I think about that Friday. Now, on that Friday, when he was crucified, the disciples, all but John, ran away. <laughs> so they had placed all of their hope in Jesus, and they themselves had a story. They themselves had a reason to run, because they were afraid of what would happen to them. Uh, they were there in the garden whenever the authorities came and arrested Jesus. They were there and they saw what happened to Jesus. They took him captive. They were around. Peter was around whenever he, Jesus was being beaten and you know, being punished by the uh, Roman soldiers. They saw this torture and they decided they didn't want anything. <laughs> they didn't want anything. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> yes, the sermon is going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, either somebody got married or somebody got resurrected, something like, something like that. Yeah. So we got all these things going on. So, and, and, uh, so they, they, they got a story that they want to tell. It's just beep, 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 you know, okay. Um, our son in El Salvador uh, said that in El Salvador, they don't need hand signals if they're driving a car. They have horn signals. And if they have certain things, you know what they're saying, you know. <laughs> So I don't know. But anyhow, uh, so we have someone celebrating the resurrection. All right. So the, the, these disciples had, had stories because most of them ran. <laughs> they ran from the, the authorities because they didn't want to die. They didn't want to be punished. So they all ran, and they were in hiding while Jesus is hanging on the cross. Well, John is the only one who stayed behind. But we find that when Easter Sunday, the celebration of which we are now part of, that they, the, the grave could not hold Christ, the death could not contain him, the forces of darkness couldn't stop him. On the third day, he came out of the grave and said, I was dead, but now I am alive forevermore. So it is this resurrection that we celebrate because it is part of who we are. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ because we are a part of that resurrection. The power of Christ that raised him from the dead is the power of Christ that forgives us of our sin and the power of Christ that will quicken our bodies to be resurrected from the dead. So there's no sin can cancel out the power of the blood. There's no demon that can hinder what God is about because they thought that they had 
sealed the fate of God. Evil thought that had sealed the fate of God by having Jesus crucified. Now, I, I say this over and over again. If the devil knew, knows everything, he would have never had Jesus crucified. Because if the devil knew, <laughs> here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It is, it is God's stamp uh, on, on humanity and God's victory march when Jesus marched out of hell and marched out of death and that whenever he marched out of death, Jesus is alive forevermore and just sealed the fate uh, of failure. So we find that uh, these, these individuals, Peter who ran away, we have you know, denied Jesus three times, he had a story. We, we look at the disciples, they all ran, they had a story. And Thomas, you know, he has a story. He's the realist of the bunch. He has a story. I'm not going to believe unless I put my hands, my fingers in the wounds in the hand of Christ and in the side of Christ. I'm not going to believe till I, I can do this. You see, and Paul, he was in this whole category too, non-believer. But you see, Jesus doesn't throw us out because we have doubts. You know, well, I don't see how this, God doesn't throw us out, kick us out because we have failures and because we have sinned and because we have doubts. You know, God can handle them. He doesn't worry about those things because with Thomas, he said, Thomas, you come here. <laughs> Doubting Thomas, you come here, Thomas. Put your fingers here. And then Thomas, of course, he believes. Peter, he's the one who denied and Jesus later on says, Peter, do you love me? Three times he asked Peter this question, as it were to cancel out those thoughts in his mind that he had, he had somehow reached the place where God couldn't touch him. And Paul, here's this guy who's trying to kill them all, and he runs into Jesus in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received on, and on which you have taken your stand. Saul of Tarsus is now telling his people, these people in Corinth, I want you to remember the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to remember this because the gospel says in verse 4, he says, for which I received, I pass on to you. This is verse 3, excuse me. From, which, from what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scripture, and he appeared to Cephas, to Peter, and to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still a living. Most of whom are still living. So when Paul wrote this, Paul himself, so the, the understanding there is life after death, it's not because we sit and we read the resurrection story and Jesus came out of the tomb and people saw him and he's alive and he, he's, you know, he's risen indeed. You know, we sing these songs. But at this time period, in the very time period in which Jesus lived and was here on earth and walking uh, on the, the streets of Jerusalem and walking around the Sea of Galilee, that very time period, there were two opposing forces and they wanted rid of, they didn't like Jesus because he didn't come the way they wanted him to. Did you ever notice that sometimes God doesn't show up the way we want him? 
<laughs> we think that God should do it my way. You know, I could sing for you. I did it my way, but I won't. Okay, so you see that God is telling us he's got a way for us. He's got a purpose for us. He's got a plan for our lives. And that nothing can separate you from him. Nothing. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing Nothing can separate me from Christ. Nothing. But we know also that all things, (laughs) all, all, all things work together because God is on with us. Now, sometimes we think, okay, I'm, you know, uh, it's just, it's not for me because of my life, where I, who I came from and where I came from. Listen, you may have come through your mother. You came from God. You came through your mother, your parents, but you came from God. God knew you before this world was ever formed. God called you by name, and he wants you to be his child. And no matter what happens in this life, no matter what problems come, no matter what excuse, Jesus shows up in our life, and he says to us, Hey, David, (laughs) hey, uses your name and speaks to you because he knew you before you were ever entered into your mother's womb. You came from God. And because you come from God, he has a love for you that you can never, ever stop. You can't stop God from loving you. Well, what about my failures? What about my mistakes? God doesn't look at what went wrong. He looks at what is right. You are his and you are his for an eternity and he wants you to be his and no matter what on earth happens, the power of God, the blood of Christ that was shed upon the cross is what cleanses us from sin and that we have access to the throne room of God by just saying our prayers and if we have enough prayer, if we have enough faith to ask, we have enough faith to be forgiven. If we have enough faith to ask, we have enough faith for God to move on our, on our part. And Paul is telling, here's Paul, the, Saul, the former Saul of Tarsus, who's trying to kill anybody who believes, now is saying, believe the gospel. I want you to know this, that he was buried and that he raised on the third day according to Scripture. Saul of Tarsus is saying, Believe in the Jesus who came and in his good news. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and, that, and this is what you believe. It's verse 11. Paul is telling them that whether it's the disciples who are talking to you or whether it's me, I want you to understand that it is the gospel that we believe. You see, the disciples and Paul, they're talking about the good news. The good news, Jesus has come. The good news, Jesus died. The good news, he rose from the dead. He is alive forevermore. You see, the the grace, the forgiveness, the divine favor of God is that we are risen from the dead because Christ lives within our hearts. Verse 19 says, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul says, 
this, is, this life and this belief that we have in Jesus isn't just for this lifetime. This belief that we have in Christ is for eternity. And it is for all time. Not only the time of Paul, but our time and the future in, future in front of us. Verse 26. The last enemy to be, to be destroyed is death. You see... We look at life and we have our difficulties. God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God says he will never let anything of our life that we've done, thought, word, or deed, to separate us from him. He has the power to forgive. He has the power to keep. He has the power to sustain. And yes, we may die in this life, but don't worry about it. That enemy one day is going to be conquered for everyone. It is conquered in Christ. It is conquered for us. If the dead, this is verse 29, now if there is no resurrection, what will those who are baptized from the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized to them? You see, we're continuing our faith by our declaration of faith in Jesus Christ. And then we go to verse uh, 42. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead? The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. Here's Paul, wind's coming, <laughs> the wind of the Holy Spirit, the breath of God's coming upon us. <sighs> what happens in the resurrection? This perishable will put on that which will never perish. This mortal will put on immortality. And here we are at this place of decision and we are like Paul when he says where O death is your victory where O death is your sting you see from from death to life dead to sin we are the death of our life and the worst of our sins are swallowed up in the victory that is in Jesus Christ so whether it is Paul who has come to this place of understanding when he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus or whether it's us meeting Jesus on our road of life, Christ comes to us by the Holy Spirit. And he touches our hearts and he touches our minds. He quickens our spirit that we might know he is alive forevermore. And because he lives, I will live also. So this is the faith. This is the hope. This is the understanding that we have from an individual who at the time of Jesus didn't believe, despised the teaching of Christ, hunted down the followers of Jesus, comes to a realization that he is alive. And that which Paul preached, he says, I give to you that which I have received, not because I went to school under the disciples, but because I went to school under the teaching of Christ where the Holy Spirit helped Paul understand what the sacrificial system really meant of the Old Testament and how that those sacrifices of the Old Testament really taught about the living sacrifice, Jesus Christ. God came to save us from our sin. He came to forgive us of our sins. And God would never pay such a price just to have us be lost because of our failures. He has paid such a price that we could surrender our failures and find hope in this life 
and in the next. So our life begins today. <laughs> Father, forgive me of my sins. <laughs> you know, and I'll close with the story. I know I've used the illustration before, but that's okay. About a year and a half ago, I was with uh, an individual, and uh, they were dying with cancer. And the, the husband and wife asked me to come, and I was going to do their funeral because they had left the church, their church, many years ago. And I went there and visited and so on. We talked. And then about three weeks later, four weeks later, they called me back, and they said, you know, the patient is dying. And so I went there, and the spouse is on one side of the bed, and I'm on the other, and the person who is dying is laying there on the bed, almost in and out of a coma. And I knew her background, their background, and I said, you know, we need to ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins. And I said, ask Jesus, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Here's this person almost in a coma, whispers, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And then, in a pausing for a few moments, declares, Jesus, oh, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, she saw her, him at that moment and realized his presence. Now, in 30-some years of working with people in terminal situations, I've never had anyone declare that in such a way. But you see, Jesus is risen from the dead. Jesus is here with us. Jesus will never leave us. He will never let us go. He wants us to say, forgive me, so that we can receive the full impact of what that forgiveness is about. And that we can live in a forgiven state here until we live again with him forever. That's the Easter story. <laughs> Living for eternity. Forgiven now and beginning this life to live forever. Will we have problems? Yes. <laughs> Will there be difficulties? Yes. Will I make mistakes? Yes. But that's not the point. I'm forgiven, and every time I come back, every time I recognize that forgiveness, I establish who I am, and it makes me more dependent on Christ so that I do not commit those sins or go that way again. <laughs> because in Christ, I am forgiven. Amen? Jesus, <laughs> forgive me of my sin. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. There's a future for us. There is a future for us in this life, but also in the life to come. So God, I pray for the revelation of your spirit and of your word to our hearts, to the life that we are living, that we are not in this maze of life trying to find some way out. We are in the midst of our life, and there, O oh God, you are with us, and you will make straight the path before us and you will give us the strength to live it each day. Bless us, O oh God, and bless our families, and bless our children and our grandchildren and our parents and our loved ones. O oh God, watch over them and keep them 
Keep them safe, O God, and let the power of your Spirit, the resurrected Spirit of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of the Spirit of Christ, be alive in us, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. So, happy Resurrection Day. <laughs> Don't forget.